It's episode 62 of the MetroFed TV rundown coming to you live off the backs of a rather acrimonious, is that the word? Frustrating? I don't know. Well, whatever it is, it was a rather gutting 1-1 draw with Columbus at home, uh, where we basically lost in a last-minute defensive lapse. It's uh, just Lens and Juan here once again, and it's Lens with coronavirus. Yes, it's been a hell of the uh, of the last 48 hours, so apologies in advance if it doesn't sound too great. Uh, it's a bit hard to uh, sound spry, I guess, when you're, when you're a bit ill. But... <laughs> That, that's me. How are you, Juan? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing all right, Lens. Uh, hoping you're doing well. Uh, had an eventful weekend. I, uh, my, my girlfriend and I, we went to three live soccer games. Oh wow! So 270 plus minutes of live soccer. Jesus so that's Christ. obviously the RBNY game Sunday, but then the Saturday uh, was the RB2 game, the home opener, and then we went to Yonkers to see Lansdowne Yonkers FC play an Eastern Premier so- Premier Soccer League game against the Pan-Cyprian Freedom, so like the local <laughs> Classico of that league. Oh, yeah, uh, the boys. Great fun. Just a great – yeah, if anyone can get out to Yonkers, that's a, it's a really great time. A lot, of, a lot of beautiful Irish accents shouting obscenities at the field. Um, uh, oh, Jimmy Nealis was playing for the Pan-Cyprian Freedom, so like uh, Amanda and I and also – our friend Pat Murphy also shared the distinction of seeing all three Nealis brothers play professional soccer in one uh, 24-hour period. You know, I have a feeling like it's like one of those Triforce kind of things, right? If you reunite the three Nealis brothers like on one team, like uh, like uh, Arthur returns from Avalon. Exactly. Uh, fucking, uh, <laughs> uh, fucking Elijah reveals who the Jewish Messiah is. You know, it all kicks off, right? It, it all coalesces oh right there. <laughs> We're basically one brother short. Uh, so that's a lot of soccer, basically, in one weekend. I, I just watched a lot of wrestling because there's, like, nowhere else that I can fucking go. And right. let me tell you, for all the AEW watchers that watch this pod, that listen to this podcast... If you haven't heard about DDT and TJPW, uh, get on Wrestle Universe and check out that uh, back-to-back night feature that they did at Rio Goku over this last weekend because I think that was like a solid ten hours of absolute balls to ball wrestling. Great stuff all around. Big, big Konosuke Takeshita guy over here, but also uh, you know we all we all have to pay fealty to the French aristocracy and the Obishiki. <laughs> After a while, so hail Saki Sama, our new uh, our new goddess, the new patron saint of this podcast. Because I think if I don't acknowledge her, she's probably gonna kill me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that was my weekend. Uh, it's not fun being sick, basically. And uh, well, I guess uh, unfortunately, I don't think uh, I don't think the mood's gonna improve that much considering um, the backs of uh, this result. Over the weekend, uh, I did wake up in the middle of the night just when we scored the goal, oddly enough. And I thought, oh, that was going to be it. <laughs> then I went back to bed after. After, and Then I woke up and I was like, wait, how the fuck did we draw 1-1? Right? Because oh, at that yeah. point, it was like uh, in the 85th minute or something. Right. And then I found out that it was like a really shitty like lapse right at the end of the game. Right? Uh, that basically cost us a couple points. But really, when I look back at uh, the general events of the game, and also like some of the some of the things that I gleaned away from it as well, right? With the supporting numbers and everything. This is more of a game ultimately that I think will temper expectations for me rather than last season's game, right? Because I think if you look at the overall context of this game, it does not really seem like we deserve to have three points. Simply put. Right, I think uh, this was probably the sternest test that we ran into this season, and uh, we kind of struggled with it. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be pretty honest when I say that, right? I don't think we really looked too. Uh, we didn't really look too sharp against this Columbus team. Uh, they didn't really look too sharp against us either. But it seems like they had better luck 
creating more chances when they were on the ball than we did, right? I think uh, the numbers will reflect this as well. And I think there are a multitude of reasons why that is. Uh, I think as we've been mentioning, uh, the general feeling uh, is is that um, I, I think this kind of builds on what we were talking about last week, where I think it feels that four triple two is a better fit than like the three man formation that we opened with in this game. But before we really get into that, I kind of want to ask for your thoughts in the game. Uh, like what stood out to you at the arena, please let us, let us know. Yeah. I mean, after the game, it, it, it was a real feeling of, I, one thing I frequently heard uh, coming from people was that this was a draw that felt like a loss. And I can sort of understand how you felt, uh, how you could feel that way in the moment of just like having the wins like that of ourselves in like the last what 30 seconds of the match. Uh, but looking at, like you've mentioned the underlying numbers and re- having rewatched the game, uh, we, <laughs> we, we were lucky to come out. We, we to come out with a point here. Uh, not that, like you said previously, we weren't as sharp and Columbus wasn't as sharp either, but I think the difference is that Columbus very much was ready for us and was prepared, uh, for how we were we were set up to play, and uh, despite them not being too too great on the day of not being able to generate their own chances, they they had they had two clear shots on goal. They were like, you know, uh, better finishing away from being two nil up on us um, between you know the Jazzy's artist uh, shot in front of the goal and Derek and Tian Junior missing an open net. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like it's. Four shots on goal from us, two shots on goal for them. Uh, you know, this is the first game in this opening stretch where we we were pretty woeful in creating chances. Um, we were not sharp enough. I think the XG, if we want to talk about it, we were talking like at least two, two expected goals, three expected goals the, these past three games. This one between anything between like 0.6 and 1. Uh it just we were lacking. We were just lacking that last touch. It felt like some poor performances uh, in key spots on the field prevented us from from really putting the sword to Columbus in the opening minutes. And as the game wore on, I think that Columbus was ready for us. Uh, it's just upsetting, man. Not upsetting. I guess it's more annoying. Uh, if you remember, like the, from the 2018 season, our games with Columbus were always like really tense. And it was always like, it felt like a chess match because Greg Berhalter was like very like, you know, probably one of the best managers in Major League Soccer, him and Jesse. And it always felt like a tactical uh, a masterclass yeah. between the two of them. And, uh, and you know, even if we lost to them, there was like a begrudging respect for that Columbus team. And I do not respect Caleb Porter at all. Uh, not <laughs> one bit. I'm very annoyed uh, when he experiences anything other than uh, uh, anything but contempt and utter misery. Uh, he, he, Caleb Porter, uh, he, I thought about it. Caleb Porter embodies two, what I believe are two absolutely wretched vibes, which is, uh, uh, mid-market Midwestern repressed sociopath, but also guy who thinks Pep Guardiola is really cool. He is a blight on this league. I do not want to see him again. I hope that we no longer get coaches who are good at the college level, uh, we have we have passed beyond the need for that in the year of our Lord 2022. Uh, hopefully, he will get the national team job, and they will miss another World Cup with him in charge. Uh, yeah, you know, I of all, just... yeah. Why are people mad about Greg Berhalter when when Caleb Porter's right there? I was going to say that on this podcast, we support all soccer except for college soccer. Uh, <laughs> yes, the NCAA should be disbanded. By the way, yes. Uh, you know, guys, university lasts for four years, and if you're still on it, like, after all this time, like, what the fuck is wrong with you, honestly? Like, seriously, like, <laughs> this is four years in your 20s, just move on, you sad old fucks. Anyway, um, <laughs> that being said, uh, I think some of that does ring true, right? I think uh, particularly, um, particularly, I mean, yes, I mean, you talk about how we're basically, like, I think it's two blown chances and a great Carlos Cornell save away from being down to no, right? I think that's right. really true. And I think uh, particularly two key factors here in play, right? I mean, I think, first of all, I think uh, on top of uh, some 
pretty poor individual performances from uh, Christian Casares Jr. And uh, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, Patrick Clamala didn't really cover himself in glory in this game either. But also, I think what you kind of have to look at is that we also lost the pivotal battles out wide, I think, right? right. Like, we really struggled to, to really get our wide attacking outlets involved in this game. And they kind of struggled in their individual deals as well, right? It wasn't just, uh, I, I think Dylan Nealis got a fair bit of criticism for this, but we already covered uh, why that is, I think, last episode. I think mm-hmm. Lewis Morgan also didn't really have a great day out against uh, Pedro Santos, right? Which I think was kind of right. a bit disappointing to see. Uh, just kind of struggled to beat his man most of the game. Right. And, you know, I mean, I think this is particularly annoying because this isn't a guy who's like a natural fullback, right? Basically, designated player winger who kind of was a bit hit or miss, and then they moved him further back to the field. Uh, I think no, was, I think it's the opposite. Right. I think he was a very, he was a very, uh, da- in, like in his in his heyday in this league, he was a very dangerous winger, um, a very functional like attacking player. And now that you know he's older, he's basically done the Demarcus Beasley thing of just transitioning into a very competent fullback, which again, incredibly annoying. Yeah, no, like, like I always, like I don't know. I always felt a bit. He always felt a bit hit or miss for me. But yeah, like you said, just making the conversion back to fullback, and still, I mean, ultimately. Uh, for me, I think I would have liked to. The, this was kind of one of those things that shows what happens when we aren't able to consistently pull defenders out of position by darting out wide, right? But creating mm-hmm. those mismatches in the wide channels. Like it doesn't create the space in the middle for people to run into. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think. And I think. This is probably what the team ends up looking like, right? When we when teams don't play into our hands that way. Right. So uh, basically, I kind of had that as my key as to why we didn't really end up creating a great deal of chances. Yeah. But also, I think what should really be pointed out is that, like, I really don't know what to make. Of Christian Casares Jr. at this point in his career, to be honest with you, like he, he like 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 he does a lot of things competently, but doesn't excel at any of them. I would right. probably say, and as a result of that, like on top of that, like I just really feel like he's becoming more and more of like a square peg in a round hole for this team. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, like we've been waiting for him to make this next step for like two or three years now. He's still only, what, 23 years old? But, I mean, sooner or later, right? You kind of have to... You kind of have to show something more than what he's been showing, I think. Right. We've tried various positions for him. We've tried various roles for him. And, you know, it's never really progressed to anything beyond competent, really. Yeah. Or steady but not impressive. Right. And today, in this sort of weird like 10 second striker role i think that he was deployed in that just looked completely incongruous right and i think this is starting to look particularly more egregious when you actually do have alternative options have guys who can do that yeah in that role right i mean it's not just guys like morgan it's not just guys like Bikinias who are new omir fernandez also is another player who's proven that he can kind of slot into that role uh yeah, so basically, I can basically name, already name, like, three players who are kind of better at doing that than he is. Uh, and then you have to factor in the fact that we just brought in Ashley Fletcher as well, right? So, look, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I just don't think he's good enough for this team, really, <laughs> after about three or four years of observing it. I don't know where his fit is. You know, I mean, we've tried all kinds of things, and he still, he still looks sluggish. He still looked like he slowed down play a bit. And he doesn't quite have the vision needed to unlock defenses, right, with his passing ability. Right. I mean, like we said, right, what do you make of a player that's decent at a whole bunch of things but not great at any of them? Right, I think it could very well be a case where he's just going to be a better fit for some other team that needs a more traditional center midfielder, 
right? Who doesn't do anything super flashy, but doesn't do anything to like uh, cost you either, you know? And I think the problem with that is, is that commodities like that aren't going to attract a lot of interest in the market just because they're literally diamond dozen players, you know? And that's kind of what he is at this point in his career. He is a dime a dozen player, you know, quite frankly. Right. Um, or at the very least, not not good enough to warrant including him in, in in lineups just because we're depending on him doing something special. Yeah. And even, like, I don't think he's in this lineup because they ex- he's expected to do special things. But, like, I just don't even think that he sh- could do the base role slash function that was expected of him, right? right. Like what do we know about the second striker slash 10 in this, form- this three-man formation that we deployed? They're expected to move out wide, right? And be able to have quick interchanges to open up space uh, in the center, right? For secondary runners coming in from space. Note how most of the time last year when he was actually producing, he was when he was being deployed in like that deeper role, right? And he was the one making the secondary runs into space, right? That was opening up. up. This time, he's expected to be the guy flushing out wide and opening that space. And I don't really think he kind of knew what he was expected to do as a result of that. You know, I mean, we, we, we kind of know a few other things about his play style at this point. His touch isn't great. He's a bit slow. But, you know, I mean, put him with the ball with a bit of room to work with and he'll at least be able to like switch the field of play pretty decently or have a decent outlet pass here and there he's not really the kind of guy who thrives who is capable i think of quick vertical interchanges which are like the key to our offense this year you know right which is why i'd really prefer that he either spells frankie amaya or drew yearwood rather than him being deployed at Benz. You know, I think uh, it's a bit of the fact that he's a remarkably average player, but also he's not really, he's being shoehorned into this role once again, right? Where that doesn't really highlight his strengths as a player, maybe, or that he's just simply not capable of executing because of his talents, stuff like that, you know? And I think this is going to be the major... Yeah, so like uh, we've kind of gone on to like a two or three minute diatribe about this, but this is sort of this was sort of one of the key things as to why I think the attack didn't really click like it did last the last few weeks. Um, yeah, basically where I'm at with that. Um, yeah, I pretty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's sort of. Like, thank God we have this 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 international break coming up because now that we have everyone here, we can sort of figure out uh, where we want the roster to be. But man, it's it like not even to like heap heap blame on him for, for this game because I think it was across the team there were, there were problems. But like you know, the goal I think everyone like the like the grand take about like the goal that was conceded. Uh, in in the last minute of the game, uh, people are like blaming Ashley Fletcher uh, for losing the ball there. But like the ball goes out to Pedro Santos, and Christian Casares Jr. completely whiffs on what would have been a tactical foul that would have kept the ball out. Uh, and, if, and if we're gonna blame someone for that, are you blaming on him? I don't know. But uh, yeah. yeah, who else? Who who else? I think. I think. Uh, I think we mentioned Dylan Nealis having a poor game. And I think one of the issues with Dylan Nealis having poor games is that it forces uh, Lewis Morgan to do that job. Like as soon as, as soon as Dylan Nealis comes off, we don't adjust the formation. We don't like move Tom Edwards into being a, we don't like, we don't go to a four man back line. So we don't slot Tom Edwards into that spot. And so, Lewis Morgan has to be the right wing back again. And so that takes him further out from where he's most dangerous in sort of that right, right hand half space channel. And man, so like I said previously, I don't think this, this, this takes away from like my last statement about, you know, this is, this is sort of the most, uh, I don't want to say intricate, but like, this is the fastest system that 
Nealis has had to play for the past couple of years since he's been in MLS from being, you know, on a pretty stodgy defensive team in Nashville and just being a hot dumpster fire that would, that is still currently is inner Miami. Um, and I don't doubt that there still is a player in there, but, uh, I'm just curious how, how much is he like, is he encouraged to go past his man? It's, it's, he needs to be more proactive in that position. It feels like sometimes I, or most I, times really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I definitely feel like the tactical instructions that they give for the right backs are to be a lot, are to be a lot more adventurous, right. Going forward. Right. And I think like uh, we touched upon this last week, that somebody who's kind of been coached in like this uh, defensive fullback mentality for most of their career right now at a level at the highest level they've ever played for arguably the most demanding tactical system they've ever played. Right. It's going to be, it, it's a, it's a pretty big mentality shift. Right. And I think, uh, I think we were kind of on the money last week when uh, this was, this was brought up and I think it's good to relitigate it. I think just a little bit this week, but yeah, once again, right. I think, um, Part of the reason why we weren't really having great success in that right hand channel is because there was a lot of apprehension and just going forward, right? Streaking into that space, creating those mismatches out wide, right? Pulling those defenders out wide because your wingbacks or your, uh, because your wingbacks giving them a lot of, lot to think about on that right hand side, right? Um, this is the kind of stuff that uh, has been kind of lacking from that position. This whole season, right? And I think, like you said, right, if Lewis Morgan is the one that kind of has the shoulder that burden, I mean, that makes the defender's job a lot easier, right? They only have one player to think about. They don't need to wait for right. like, a late overlap or anything bombing down that right-hand side, you know? And, you know, I think, uh, like we said, it's a gra- it's going to be a bit of a gradual process, right, with trying to accustom, not accustom, trying to encourage these kind of runs, right, from our right and back. Probably not going to click overnight. Uh, I would, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not going to click overnight. It's not. It's it's kind of part and parcel of what happens sometimes with players, right? And I think the key is is that he's getting a lot of chances at the very least to try and do that. You yeah, know, I think it seems to me that the coach has a decent amount of faith in him. If he's being given all these opportunities to do so, uh, I, I mean, I'm obviously a bit bearish on him, but you know, I mean, it's still only four games into the season. Like we said, right? I think if uh, he manages to make this mentality adjustment, you know, I think this could be something that helps to unlock the offense a little bit more because I think this game highlighted. This game was a good game to highlight what we were lacking, right? And sometimes we do lack in a bit of adventure on that right-hand channel, just simply because uh, I think uh, our guys are a bit too apprehensive sometimes in making runs forward. But it's also kind of why I think, to, you know, harken back to formation talk a little bit, it's also why I still think that we are better suited for four-man backline at this point in the personnel that we have in hand, right? Yeah. We don't, we don't expose... Um, We, we have a good midfield axis that is capable of covering quite a fair bit of ground, right, this year. And right. on top of that, like, uh, we have four very positionally fluid um, front four, a, a very positionally fluid front four that's capable of uh, interchanging with each other, right? I think a switch to a four-man back line would clean up a lot of that incongruity, right, on the right-hand channel because all the mismatches are being created by the front four creates a lot of chaos, I think, for the right wing backs to basically for the wing backs to push up into. Right. But also specifically if we're really sure yeah, I mean like but yeah. So I I think I think I still feel like that's the key here. You know, I I, I think until um I think I think the plan A should be, um, you know, that should be this Portugal two that we're trying to that we introduced earlier this season. Basically. Yeah, and this three not five. just not just for the sake of having like a four man back line, but I think two strikers would have helped 
in this particular game. Yes, that's that that's uh, something I wanted to yeah touch upon as well. Yes, thanks for reminding me of that. Yeah, two strikers definitely would have helped a bit, especially in this game where I think Klimala looked like he was a bit more of an island than he otherwise was. But he's yeah. also kind of struggling a bit with like I think the the, the the types of play that we kind of want to the way we build up sometimes right with these aerial with these direct aerial balls I think yeah I, mean, I feel like if the if the idea is to generate like chances off second balls from those aerial duels it's like Klimala doesn't seem like the kind of guy you want to be doing that with it just didn't feel like because there were multiple times during the game when we fed this ball over the top and Klimala looked frustrated and he would actually tell. I forget who who played. It might have been Tom Edwards. It might have been Frankie Amaya. But like he he would have actually preferred if you're they were going to play it long. Actually prefer it along the ground, so at least he wouldn't have to contest for those balls in the air. And if you had second striker, a guy like Tom Barlow didn't even need to be you know. He's also thinking about Ashley Fletcher, who is a massive lad as well, um, could more easily win those balls. I think like Tom Edwards in this appearance in this game had won some more aerial duels compared to. Klimala on that and yeah it's it just felt like especially against Columbus you have Jonathan Mensa and Milos Degenic like those like just two guys, just huge guys like you weren't you weren't beating those guys in the air unless you had a guy who could who could match them up for size yeah no actually and I think that's a good point right that, that was a bit of a defensive mismatch in the air I think especially since you're basically playing with one lone striker against these two absolute units yeah right? Um, that and especially for a player like Klimala, who I think uh, very obviously works a lot better when the ball's kind of service to his feet, right? And he's yeah. capable of like kind of running with it, and uh, he's either running the channels or like uh, running into space that opens up off of like off of like uh, chaotic opportunities, right? I think a presence like Ashley Fletcher in theory should help him help free up that space a little bit more. Right. Cause it reminds me of a throwback to a 2019 CCL. And I think everybody cover your ears because what I'm about to say is, is that it reminds me a lot of Santos Laguna when oh, they no. had Julio Furch and Javier Correa, right. Running down at us at Red Bull arena, you know, like I think, uh, for games like this, particularly where you have two strikers taking up, yeah, where you have a big striker who's capable of winning a lot of things in the air, and a, sm- and a slightly smaller but faster striker who thrives off the ball movement, off of like a this target man right who's capable of winning a lot of things in the air. Uh, on top of that, you also have the fact that it. It allows, um, it keeps center backs a lot more honest, right? With their defensive duties, right? Because then they each have one player to think about rather than like the center back pairing simply, you know, um, being able to play like man slash ball coverage like pairings, right? Basically, especially if the other attacking outlets in this game, like Christian Casper's Jr., weren't really offering much to, for them to really think about. They'll just be like, oh, okay, this guy can just kind of, we could just kind of ease off this guy. And we can uh, mark um, the striker a bit more close. We can just pay attention to strikers on ball movement because we know that this guy isn't really going to do much with the ball, right? You could kind of see shades of that happening this season. I mean, sorry, this game, right? We just kind of leaned off of Christian Casper's junior, leaned off of some of our attackers, and then just managed to focus on just marking Patrick out of the game. It kind of, kind of worked. It kind of worked. You know, and I, I agree. I mean, this would, I would have kind of liked to see a two-man two man forward line, I think, for this game in particular. But, you know, I mean, I also understand that, you know, I think Fletcher's still getting up to speed. Uh, so, I mean, hopefully we'll get to see more of those looks soon. Uh, I think it would definitely help bring out the best in Klimala as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a very... Those are very really solid points all around. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything else much more to like uh, touch upon the game other than that. Uh, shout out, I will shout out Colors Cornell once again for that really good save in the one-on-one situation. Uh, oh yeah, he's definitely come a long way in those decisions in one-on-one situations. So I think I can definitely see that he and Neiman have been doing a lot of video work on how to yeah. uh, position yourself in a variety of one-on-one situations. This was a really exactly. good textbook way of dealing with the 
what they call like a long range one on one, right? Where he times, uh, where he times the way that he contests the striker, I mean, the attacker brilliantly, but also doesn't commit to the ball too soon, right? So he gives the attacker like an avenue to like dribble around him. Yeah. It's a perfect balance of like cutting off the angle, but also sitting back and allowing uh, you enough time to like react to the attacker. Know, so I think it should definitely be commended on that. Um, yeah, and I guess not even like from the point because I think you have you have a particular insight because you're a goalkeeper. But I think generally, like because our defense uh, is pretty good at stifling the opposition attack, that he doesn't actually face that many shots during a game, and so yeah. uh, it makes uh, it puts a real premium on the saves that he does make. Yeah, uh, especially now. You know, I mean, I think yeah. anyone will tell you that the goalkeeper's dream is to basically watch the game from your position. Right. right? <laughs> like uh, when, when it's all going well, it's the best seat in the house. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's what, that's what the goalkeeper position should ideally be. Uh, but <laughs> so I don't think he'll have too many complaints with it not having much to do mm-hmm. this season so far. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to shout out the goalkeeper basically. His goalkeeper Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we'll go into stocks i suppose uh i think uh, my ups are gonna go to um, my ups will go to frankie amaya once again because i think he proved uh, what a pivotal player he is once again in this game i think uh, we mentioned that this was probably the sternest test that he and yearwood uh would have all season and they definitely passed it for all the flying colors uh, well, uh, yeah, they definitely passed this game. They were up for it. They helped to control the game for the first 30 minutes, I think. So, yeah, Amaya yeah. and Yearwood, once again, they get stock-ups for me. Very good stuff all around. Um, I'm also going to give a stock-up to... I'm actually not going to give a stock-up to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I think I'll be probably be ushering more downs than ups this game. I think, uh, you know, I think uh, downs, obviously, the Christian Captain's Jr. I seriously have no idea what to make of him as a player anymore. Uh, downs, unfortunately, I'm going to have to issue to Klimala and Lewis Morgan uh, because, uh, you know, they struggled respectively uh, yeah. in their respective deals. Uh, and then uh, stock downs, I think... Uh, No, we, 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 yeah, I'm not going to issue, I think, uh, any more downs other than that. I think uh, maybe a stock down to, uh, what's his name? What's his name? I forget. No, it's a, it's a fleeting thought. It's not going to come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave it off there. All right. I think... I feel like the big the big uh, note coming to this game is how we shut down Lucas Ilarion, and I feel like he was not nearly as dangerous as he was coming into this game. I felt like, you know, he was able to generate, not I wouldn't say generate chances, but he was just be, was able to like get balls out wide pretty easily. But every time he tried to dribble, he just ran into the wood chipper again, um, and not just through our midfield, but also to the defense stepping up really well. Um, I agree that Drew and Amaya had, had a good game. I thought Amaya, well, let's see, did he, I mean, he did pick up a yellow for a descent and I'll get to that in a second because that was a, a very weird moment. Um, and then the same stock down CCJ, uh, Dylan Nealis, Patrick Klamala. But I think, I feel like this has got to be so far. If I if I can give a stock down to Gerhard Struber, I feel like this particular the subs in this game were suspect. This is like as close as we've gotten to like a galaxy brain moment this season. Yeah, um, I can understand sure. taking I can understand taking off Klamala. Either you take off Klamala and put in Tom Barlow, or you bring in Tom Barlow to, to have two strikers. I thought obviously bringing Casares was a, a mistake in this game. It, it didn't it didn't pay any real dividends. Um, the Lukinia switch that was like for like I think that's sort of worked. I'm interested to see you know Lukinia's coming into the game later. Uh, taking off Amaya for Fletcher was very suspect because I feel like 
yeah. in this particular game, you don't want to take off a midfielder um, for a str- striker. Not necessarily because I thought Fletcher played badly in his limited minutes, but I feel like giving up the midfield in that particular way, especially how well Amaya was playing. I don't know if Shuru was concerned that Amaya was going to get sent off. I don't think so. I don't think the, the, the particular tackles were that bad, but or no, he wasn't necessarily going into challenges. His only yellow was for being mad at the ref. Um, which, okay, I said I was going to get to this. Probably one of the most bizarre moments in the match. I did not notice this watching it live, but I noticed watching watching the game again on TV. So let me walk you through the situation. In the 64th minute, uh, there's a 50-50 ball in Columbus's half. Drew, uh, Lewis Morgan goes into slide. Uh, it's a 50-50 between him and Darlington Nagby. Morgan gets there first, comes in with a slide. I think it was pretty clean, not just because I'm biased, but I feel like that's most refs, maybe not most, but like, you know, refs, enough refs would like let that slide and we would keep possession of the ball. Ref whistles for the foul. Amaya, who's right in front of him, turns around. I don't know what he says, but he's mad at the ref. But then the ref pulls out his, pulls out the yellow card to give him dissent. And the ref, I had to watch the clip multiple times to make sure that this is what the ref said. The ref looked at Amaya as he was giving him the yellow card and said, get out of my face, fuck off. I'm like, what? (laughs) Referee Joe Dickerson, he's one of the new refs. I'm like, these new refs are something else, man. This is like that USL guy, right? That that ref who just came up from USL or something. Oh, yeah, probably, yeah. Kind of a vineyard vines-looking-ass motherfucker. Oh, my God. I'm just like, did he really say that? Like I, yeah. the first time I saw it, I first I saw the clip of him saying "fuck off." I'm like, did he tell him to fuck off? And then I, then they they played another clip of him saying the full thing, and I'm like, can you talk? To, can you do that as a ref? No, but nobody fucks with Joey Dix, man. That's how oh my god, I'm like, I'm like, would Mike Dean do that? No, he wouldn't. Mike Dean would be weird about it. That's like the, the immortal clip of Mike Dean sending a dude off, and he goes, "Off you pop," and that's it. <laughs> The only guy who would probably do that is Klatz. I know we don't need Mark Klattenberg. We, we we don't need to uh, we don't need to restart Klatz discourse on this podcast. Yes. Basically. Oh my Shut god. So all these all these technocrat referees should be sent to the moon. Like bring back Mike please. Like we miss you. In Mark the same Rally. way that like that uh, champagne can only come from the Champagne region of France, or that like how MLB the mud that they used to rub on the balls comes from a specific part of Mississippi. Uh, referee should only come from the north of England, uh, nothing south of Bristol, really. Yeah, and specifically, they should come in two like forms. They're either massive units like Howard Webb or Uriah yes. Rennie, or librarians. Yes. Yeah, like nothing in between. Yes. Save that shit for that. Save that shit for lame continental soccer. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. No, no more fit refs. Basically, that's all. That's all I ask for. <laughs> Give me big chunkers, or uh, give me give me a guy who's been doing uh, sales for a piping for a local piping company for like twenty five years in your local town, like right. please, one of those. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think it's fair to kind of question some of the manager's decisions this game in particular. And I thought the Amaya sub for uh, Fletcher was particularly egregious, right? The way it just kind of a balanced. Uh, team a bit after that you know i think uh you do wonder does it end up being a di- different if uh you know amaya stays on the pitch who really knows right we're, we're arguing in hypotheticals here so yeah i think it's a fair i think it's fair personally uh not really covering himself in glory there unfortunately mm, i think that does it for this game uh we can now yeah Put a bow in it. We'll look ahead, uh, or maybe we'll well, we not. have the we have the international break coming up. Uh, who's playing? Who gives a fuck? Um, yeah, seriously. Like, uh, <laughs> I heard there was uh, something going on in Mexico or something, but like, I really pay attention to that kind of stuff anymore. Anyway, yeah. so anyway, we play. We we go away to New worst, England. It's truly the worst time of the year, dude. Like international break season. The yeah. discourse just gets increasingly tiring, you know. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know why I haven't done this yet, but I feel like I should probably mute all words related to the 
international soccer, but then it'll <laughs> probably have to end up meeting FIFA, and that will get really, really confusing after a while. So yes. Maybe not the best idea. I don't know. I mean, what else, how else do you spend international break? I'm probably going to spend most of it watching more Puro, I guess. <laughs> Puro Resu Ichiban Gasuki Hi, 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 hi. Hi, 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 hi. Have to do it again this fucking weekend. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> too many events going on this month. Let's do Stardom's Two Night at Rio Goku, I think. This... Wow. Should be a great fucking show, by the way. If you're ever tired of, like, how women's wrestling in America looks like, just go sign up and watch Joshi. It's really good shit. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> anyway, as an A-side. Uh, yeah, we do, we, we do look ahead to New England, I think. Um... April. April second Saturday. Um, I think in terms of call ups go, I think uh, so far it's only been Aaron Long that's been called up to the US men's national team and I think Casares got a call up to the Pino Tinto, I think uh Yes earlier today. Uh it didn't seem like Patrick ended up making the cut for Poland unfortunately, but you know, at least he was in contention there. So at least you're watching him. So hopefully, you know, spreads gives you that little bit of extra motivation to uh, really put in a shift. Uh, for the rest of the season, I still believe in his talent. Obviously, I think uh, right. you know, there's just uh, he's just had a bit of a rough go these last couple of weeks. But it's like you said, right? It's a good time to mentally reset. I think uh, the international break does kind of come at a pretty good time, right? To kind of act as like a safety valve for uh, some of the uh, effusiveness that's been kind of been weaning off a little bit. Uh, you know. And I think uh, particularly coming into the game against because we'll be on the road, we'll be on the road, right? To Gillette. Yes. I think once we come back from the international break. Uh, Correct. I would want that. I would want the team to be a lot more energized than up for it. I think. Yeah. Because that fixture has always been kind of a pain in the ass, <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah. I w- I will actually be going going on this away trip for the first time. Uh Oh yeah, because the bus is free. That's right. Bus is free, and right. uh, yeah. it's a Saturday. <laughs> yes, uh, having had to do this trip at least three or four times in a variety of different forms, uh, Foxborough itself is miserable. Yeah, and it seems it seems like hellish. The only thing we did, uh, shout out to Pat Haddad, by the way, for uh, driving us up for that midweek game that one time. Uh, basically, what me, Wood, and Pat did, so we just hung around the five guys <laughs> at Chilet <laughs> for like two hours. Uh, I fell into the uh, front row uh, celebrating the Gonzalo Peron goal. Ah, uh, yes, I remember that. Uh, Gillette itself is a miserable, concrete shithole of an NFL stadium. Uh, I do not like going there. It is very boring. Uh, and basically, you're really just going up there to watch the game and then getting out as soon as possible because there's like yeah. literally nothing else in the area that's a thing. Like, it's it's not a great all around experience. Like, you kind of tell like why like nobody fucking cares about this team in this market because like like <laughs> the overall experience sucks. You have to drive like four, two hours to just sit around a gravel pit for five five guys all day. Like that's a hard pass for me, dude. <laughs> the SC, like, like like when it comes to bus trips as well, right? I mean, at least the DC like bus trip has a stopover in Delaware where there's the Popeyes, right? Like uh, the yes. Foxborough one. I don't know. I think we stopped for gas at a gas station once, but that was about it. Just for that, we have so to like, eat at like the nearest Wahlburgers or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like awful. There's there's also like nothing spectacular about that particular stretch of New England, right? Like yeah. it's it's really just podunk towns. It's very boring all around. <laughs> like uh, we, we we got through that trip because of Pitch Perfect two, and a whole, the the last oh, yeah. trip anyway, because of Pitch Perfect two and a bunch of other uh, helpful helpful things that I cannot yeah. disclose, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but uh, but enough about the town. I guess we want, we want to talk about the Revs going into this game, right? Do we? I guess we have. To. I mean, I mean, broad strokes <laughs> is that they are winless in their last three games. Uh, 
including Champions League, including Concacaf Champions League. They lost two to three uh, at home against Real Salt Lake. They lost in Mexico City against Puma Sunam, which was 120 minutes uh, and penalties. Uh, and then they lost three to one to to freaking Charlotte FC. They gave Charlotte FC their first win. Um, you know, I was I, obviously I'm scared of of New England just because it's it's a competent Bruce Arena team. Still, I think it was Carlos Hill was last year's MVP. I think I don't know. He was definitely yeah, up there. I think uh, he was. Uh, the but... team is kind of recharged um, by getting Sebastian Legette, who, despite what U.S. men's national team perverts think, is a good soccer player. Um, for this league, anyway, yeah, for sure. For this league, for this uh, league. Gustavo Bo is still there. Ada Books is still there. Uh, they just got they got Josie Altador. Make with that what you will, but um, this it's this is not a team that can't score goals. But how they defend them, I guess, is is now another story. They have Omar Gonzalez now. They have they still have Andrew Farrell playing center back. Uh, uh, wow, AJ yeah. Delagarza is also there. That's Wow. That's a peak 2014 team right there, kids. I'll tell you what. Yes. Also, uh Matt Turner is not playing because uh he got did he did he get point. did he get frostbite? Yeah. Who knows? I, I, you know what's the weird thing about Matt Turner is that uh literally the only people that have announced his art his transfer to Arsenal were the Revs and Major League Soccer. Arsenal have not said anything about Matt Turner. There hasn't been a press release, there hasn't been a tweet, nothing. <laughs> Well, I mean, it was a pretty, it was pretty shitty of them to like play that game uh, in Minnesota in the freezing temps, right? I mean, like, and unfortunately, like these were the repercussions for that. You know, I mean, like he's out of an undisclosed foot injury. God knows how. Yes. Long. It's, it's, it's pretty fucked. I mean, in short, know. hashtag ban international soccer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, actually, you know, I'm going to change that hashtag. You know, I think uh, there is some international soccer that's good, but we should ban U.S. soccer specifically. You know yes. what? Yes. Yeah. At the and, very least. And just let Canada and Mexico qualify like every single year. I think that'd be a lot more entertaining, to be honest. Canada, Mexico, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, maybe. Who knows? The reggae boys may finally make it back to a cup for the first exactly. time since like 98, you know? Yes, Michael Antonio at a World Cup. What a world to live in. Shout out to them boys like Donovan Ricketts. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of other players, I'm sure, that I, aren't really coming to mind right now. But when they do, I'll shout them out. <laughs> uh, Captain Morgan, what's his name? Wes Morgan. Uh, Wes Morgan. Donovan Ricketts. G- Giles Barnes. I want, to, I want to point this out. Donovan Wait, what? Ricketts. Yeah. Dude, oh, my do, God. With Robbie Earl? Yeah, by the time he was in MLS, he was old as fuck. I know. I didn't realize he was that old. He was like, yeah, it was like he was like thirty-eight or something when he was. Like, That's uh, crazy. By the time he played MLS. Yeah. Well, now, now we have to do the customary remembering dudes part of the show. Hold on, let me let me pull up the squads. Jamaica, if I recall, we're in the same group as Japan. Yes, yeah, Jamaica, Japan, Manny Argentina, Croatia. There he is. Oh. Okay. Number wow. 14, Donovan Rickards. Now, Ricardo Gardner, Robbie Earl. 21-year-old, man, wow. Let's Ricardo see. Gardner, Robbie Earl. Let's see, other players, uh, you know, I mean... Uh, Andy Williams. Oh, Marcus Gale, yeah. Marcus Gale, Fitzroy Simpson. Yeah, these are guys who are... Oh, Frank Sinclair, Lester Legend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think that's... Uh, they'll do it, basically. But yeah, I mean... Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, as a name, what were we talking about before this? Uh, uh, we're talking about the New England Revolution. Yeah, the New England Revolution, right? Uh, I mean, obviously, this was sort of like our bogey team last year, right? But obviously, the right, team, the only team that kind of like played us off the park. Yeah, but the thing is, is that like even though we lost to them in like basically almost all our games, I mean, we still look pretty competitive with what was obviously yeah. a kind of a work in progress squad. So this is going to be the sternest test that we face all season, right? I think last year's supporter shield winners who look a bit wounded but aren't quite down yet. Uh, and of course, I mean, like like you said, right, the equalizing factor always is the fact that it's a Bruce Arena team, right? 
they're always going to be super well drilled. They're always going to execute really simple yet like effective soccer, right? And Bruce's four four twos, <laughs> and uh, you know I think it would be wrong to kind of underestimate them, even though they've uh, they're missing their 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 first choice goalkeeper and lost probably like their best attacking player in Tasha Bukanen, right? I mean, there's still quality dudes on this roster. Yeah, uh, Bo especially, I think was one that. Uh, so long as you have Gustavo Bo and Carlos Gill, right, <laughs> in attack, like you're always going right. to have something to think about. Uh, yeah. Like you said, I think the last game showed that we are gonna our, our defenders do a generally good job of uh, dealing with tricky attacking players, right? Like the way that Lucas Zellerayan got shut down, uh, and the week before, uh, what was that guy Espinosa, right, from Minnesota? Was it really? Uh, Reynoso. Reynoso, yeah, yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, Emmanuel Reynoso. Yeah, that's right. Yes. That's why I thought his name was Espinosa. Yes. <laughs> we got him an E, sorry. <laughs> Emmanuel Reynoso, uh, sorry for that one. Uh, Emmanuel Reynoso before that. Um, that I, I do think that when it comes to individual deals with uh, – the opponent's attackers like our defenders can are more or less or more often than not up to the task uh so i think the differentiating factors is going to be their support crew like you say right it's going to be decided by their tertiary pieces rather than like the marquee guys of the team so it'll yeah. be the adam bookses it'll be the uh sebastian gizets depends on how much they give our defenders you know also, their fullbacks like what's his name, Brandon By on on one side, and I don't think I don't think Matt Polster plays on the right, but he might. Uh, I said Brandon By and oh, DeJuan Jones are the two guys who who they have on on the right and the left. Yeah, uh, basically all around. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, like it's probably going to be the sternest test for our defense so far, because I do think that we. On paper, we can match them in terms of attacking firepower, at the very least, right? And I think this is where the international break is going to be key as well, right? Because it's an extra week for us to gel in training as well, right? Get Lukinias up to speed, integrate Ashley Fletcher a little bit more, you know. Uh, I think uh, I think it comes at a good time for us, basically, right? To integrate all these new pieces that just joined the team a little bit more. Uh so that's what I'm going to say. It's going to be a battle that's going to be decided on whose defense is more up for it. I think. Really, yeah. I think I will say that the revs are a bit more consistent in fact than we are at this point in their at this point. But it's also because they've had more time to gel with each other, right? That our attack yeah. has. Our attack's only just starting to coalesce, and hopefully, like a little bit of a little extra week in training here and there, we'll be able to like. Uh, Bring that out a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah. So here's hoping that Bruce starts Omar Gonzalez. Really. That'd be really funny. That would be so great. That would be that'd be hilarious. Yes. Like <laughs> Open starts Omar Gonzalez and AJ Delagarza and we'd be like, wait, 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 what year is it again? What year is it? Coached by Bruce Arena? What's happening? Yeah, I just realized that Bruce actually just basically wants to reunite his like 2014 LA Galaxy team. Exactly. It's going to bring Robbie Keane out of retirement. <laughs> Somehow. Robbie Keane could probably still do a job in MLS. Yeah, he probably could. Ain't going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't going to lie. Uh, yeah. So you all, have, you all have that to look forward to. At least the bus is free. Uh, it should hopefully be a good game of soccer. I don't really have anything else for to add other than that. Uh, yeah. You could probably you could probably just, just 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 put a bow, a Gustavo bow on it there. That was awful. I think that's why no one sent. <laughs> I think that's why no one sent in questions this week. It's because of bullshit like this. They just knew this. They just knew this was gonna happen. Yeah. Let's see what they do without these questions. Yeah, it's like, what are you gonna do without their answers? Probably just get them from another podcast. They're probably just gonna riff and remember, dude, some more. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've gone can... a full hour without talking about J League again. 
Well, we did manage to talk about... We, yeah, it's because we were too busy talking about another J in Jamaica, which is funny. Exactly. I mean, you got to spend your we, diversities. We, you know? we didn't talk about Jaylee, but we talked about Jamaica and NJPW. NJPW, yes. <laughs> you got to diversify your bonds, guys. Yes. Uh, very, very wise man once told me to uh, have yes. a diversified portfolio. And yes. I have a diversified portfolio of things I want to talk about. So... <laughs> <laughs> I think this will do it for episode 62. Uh, we're clocking in at under an hour is about right now. So uh, I hope everybody enjoys your national break. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything excited planned for this week? Uh, well, the, the famed ASC GeoGuessr is reuniting uh, for its next, uh, for the spring season. Uh, we've made some crucial sightings in key spots in the field. Uh, we lo- we're looking forward uh, to taking on the competition down in Brooklyn um hoping uh patricio haddad our top scorer last season uh continues his form uh hoping that uh uh the midfield comes together we have some new signings very excited about them uh but uh hoping hope, hoping to bin some teams this year sports ball fc have no idea what's in for them. Those yes fuckers. we're gonna smash sport ball fc you want to give a plug to our to the loyal support as to where you can watch ASC GeoGuessr kick off your campaign. Uh, or... if you can sneak if you can sneak into the field at LIU Brooklyn, then yes. But uh, I don't think they allow outside people. But if you want to climb the fence, I guess and do like the Argentinian thing, I don't know. Uh, this is real ultra shit right here. You know, you got to set up behind the fence with like flares and shit and the drums and then exactly. <laughs> Look, I, look. I mean, I don't think Volo has any rules on whether or not pitch invasions cancel games or results. <laughs> so you know, you'll always have that loophole there, you guys. Exactly. <laughs> it's the equalizer, the ultimate equalizer. Me? Well, I'm probably still going to be in self isolation for the next couple of days, so I guess I got nothing to do. But just I don't know. Watch, watch, watch more for wrestling. That's an ideal time for me. As it comes at a good time, I don't need to go outside. I am expected to stay at home and watch wrestling. That's fine. I can do dream. that for a week. <laughs> I, can, I can live like that for a week. That's fine. Uh, yeah. So, shout out. Shout, shout, shout out. Shout out to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Shout out to uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. Shout out to Dramatic Dr- 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 Team Pro Wrestling. Shout out to Stardom. Shout out to uh, Dragon Gate. Shout out to All Japan Pro Wrestling. No shout outs to Pro Wrestling Noah. Sort yourselves out, fuckers. <laughs> uh, as Metropad TV is saying, episode 62 is in the books. We'll see you in a couple of weeks for the game against New England. If you're on the bus, have fun, but not too much fun. And, uh, well, up the geos. Good night. We're going to play football. We're gonna play football, 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 all around the world. Football, 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 the greatest game of all. You can play a rough, it'll never be enough, cause you know where it's been so We're talking about football.